with ghost emoji. Yay! Yay! And today we are talking about ghost ships. Not ghost shits. Ghost ships. No. Not poop. No. That's a topic for another day. Ectoplasm. No, like ghost shits is where you poop and then it goes down the toilet before you never see it. It just like escapes away. Like you don't flush it? It just disappears? No, no, you still flush, but you just don't see it. Because your little turd just, it goes, escapes down the hole before before you have a chance to inspect it. It was in like one of those books that someone puts on their toilet. I remember reading it when I was like seven or eight years old. The different types of poops. Hmm. Have I derailed us a little bit? I mean, a little, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, it's too early for poop talk. What am I doing? You gotta, I mean, you gotta build up to that. I know, I'm sorry. I I, I just, I had something contri- to contribute and I didn't stop to think, should I? All about shoulda, not coulda. I didda. Or coulda, <laughs> not shoulda. I don't know. Whichever. Tweet at us about your ghost poops. Your ghost shits. Yeah, do any of you regularly do ghost <laughs> no, shits? No, don't. Or is I'm that just like kidding. Special. It's too much. <laughs> Nobody's gonna tweet us. We asked for. We've asked for people to tweet us before. Nobody. What if does. this is the first one? What if this is the first and only one? No, it's just a flurry no. of ghost shit tweets. <sighs> I will be very surprised if that. You've happens. heard of shit posting. This is shit ghosting about your ghost shits. Lord. But no, Becca's right. We're talking about ghost ships. Kitty just walked by with a really big piece of paper in her mouth. Oh, she's paying them bills, getting that paper. Like, com- comically large. <laughs> it was bigger than her head. Um, okay, well, anyways, moving right along. A ghost ship, or a phantom ship, is a vessel with no living crew aboard. It may be a ghostly vessel in folklore or fiction, or a real derelict found adrift with its crew missing or dead. The term is sometimes used for ships that have been decommissioned but not yet scrapped, and also drifting boats that have been found after breaking loose of their ropes and becoming carried away by, like, wind or waves or just the tide. You know, just all that water. That, it's a lot of water. <laughs> That's that what happened on the ocean. I mean, that is what the ocean consists of, is largely water and also sea monsters. Mm, and foam. And foam. Uh, the first one that we have is uh, pretty vanilla. It's your your regular old Flying Dutchman, um, just to kind of get it out of the way. It's one of the more famous ones. Um, the Flying Dutchman refers to a legendary ghost ship, um, and more specifically, the captain of the ship, I guess, is... I read one thing that said that's who the Flying Dutchman is referred to. Oh. I mean, I guess it makes sense, the Flying Dutchman, but I don't know. Is it like a Frankenstein versus Frankenstein's monster kind of thing? I don't know. Um, but it can never make port and it is doomed to sail the oceans forever. Uh, myth is likely to have originated from the 17th century golden age of the Dutch East India Company. Um, one of the oldest sightings is from the crew of a British ship around 1835. They saw it approaching in a terrible storm. Um, and most of these are around, like, the Cape of Good Hope. And it came so close that they feared that it would run into their own ship before it suddenly vanished, before crashing into them. There have also been sightings throughout the 19th and 20th century, and it's usually uh, said to be a ship with a glowing ghostly light. 
Uh, if it's hailed by another ship, the crew of the Flying Dutchman will try to send messages to land or to people long dead, which I'm guessing is supposed to be the people that were alive when they first set sail. <laughs> I know. In ocean lore, the sight of this phantom ship is usually a portent of doom. Meaning your ass gonna die. It's a harbinger. Of gonna get dead. So that's the Flying Dutchman. If you hadn't heard of it, it's a pretty short little write-up just because I felt like we should include it, but you already know. You already know. <laughs> and if you don't, you just got educated. Mm-hmm. So the next one is the ghost ship of Northumberland Strait, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, ghost ship that's been reported as sailing ablaze with the North Un- Northumberland Strait, or within it, sorry. It's a body of water that separates uh, Prince Edward Island from Nova Scotia and New Brunswick in eastern Canada. Numerous sightings of the ship have been reported for over 220 years. It's described as a beautiful schooner that has three masts, or sometimes four, with pure white sails, all of which become engulfed in flames as onlookers watch. Uh, Sightings have occurred throughout the seasons, but seem to be more prevalent in September to November, and these visions are also apparent before a northeast wind, and folklore has it that it's a forewarning of a storm. So, sometimes upon seeing the burning ship, mariners have attempted to rescue the crew, and um, I guess one of the most more famous rescue attempts took place in Charlottetown Harbor in about 1900. Apparently, a group of sailors boarded a small rowboat and raced toward the flaming ship to rescue the crew, and during their struggle to reach the distressed vessel, the phantom ship completely vanished. Thorough search was immediately carried out by divers, but no shipwreck was found. And then in 1905, it was suggested that the nature of the light described in sightings suggested a natural electrical phenomena. Someone is quoted as saying, It has its flat side to the water, and at times it simply glows without much change of form, but at other times it rises into slender moving columns, giving rise to an appearance capable of interpretation as the flaming rigging of a ship, its vibrating and dancing movements increasing the illusion, its origin is probably electrical. A separate explanation suggests that this ship is um, merely a bank of fog reflecting moonlight. And then in June of 2014, Canada Post issued a special stamp depicting the Northumberland Strait ghost ship. Um, it was issued on Friday the 13th as part of the Canadian Ghost Story stamps. I wish we had ghost story stamps. I know, right? Like, I really could give a shit about stamps or collecting them, but I just saw that and I was really ex- excited to include <laughs> include it as a, a little, here you go, some stamps, some spooky ass stamps. Spooky stamp nugget of information. I know. I just like how they were like, well, Friday the 13th is coming up. How do we commemorate it? Stamps. Of course. You know what people love? Stamps stamps it's true Mm -hmm. i also on this one i saw someone had like posted a youtube that was supposed to explain what it was and it was like part of like a crescent moon kind of setting like close to the horizon so it was really red and they're like it looks like a sail but it kind of just looked like a moon but if people really wanted to think it was a ship i guess i could i could see it but eh i mean 1900 people weren't super smart still so don't even know what a germ is 
Actually, I don't know when germ theory was discovered, but that's just always my fallback. So I'm like, you don't even know what a germ is. Mm-hmm. Think you can make us better by just sucking all the blood out of us. Nope, that does not work. That definitely makes it worse. <laughs> um, that's all I actually had for ghost ghost ships. All the rest of them are kind of spooky abandoned ships. So I thought this would be the perfect time to include something that could possibly explain all the weird ghosty ships. And I thought I could find more, but this was really the only one I could find that was actually interesting. Um, it's called a Fata Morgana. Uh, it's an unusual and complex form of superior mirage that is seen in a narrow band right above the horizon. It's the Italian name for the Arthurian sorceress Morgan Le Fay um, from belief that these mirages, which were seen a lot in the Strait of Messina, were actually like fairy castles in the air or false land created by Morgan Le Fay's witchcraft to lure sailors to their deaths because, you know, that's what fairies love to do also women we just we just love to you know lure men to their deaths yeah that's definitely obvious in the um staggering you know uh number of women who kill men for fun oh yeah definitely (laughs) that's that yep the statistics are there (laughs) if you if you squint really hard and close your eyes they're there is this the sarcasm we were talking about in our last episode Mm mm-hmm Maybe. (laughs) Um, Fata Morgana mirages significantly distort the object or objects on which they are based, um, often making the subject completely unrecognizable. Um, They can kind of make them seem like upside down or doubled up on each other. So they, they could take, you know, just like a hill or a mountain that you are seeing like far away and double it up so it looks like a bunch of sails on top of each other. They look really cool and I could see how people would think that maybe it was like a ship or something like that from far away and they're kind of shimmery and ghost-like. You can see them on land or at sea, even though we're talking more about, you know, sea stuff. Um, You can see them in polar regions. You can see them in the desert. Like, they're pretty widespread. Um, It can involve any kind of distant object, including boats, islands, and the coastline. Um, They're often rapidly changing, and they comprise of several inverted and erect images that are all stacked up, like I said. So they kind of, whatever they were originally, it's really hard to pinpoint what it is unless you know what was there before you saw the mirage. So I think that that would explain a lot of them. I guess for the ones that appear in storms and stuff like that, it might be something different just because it might handle the light and stuff like that different but they look really neat if you've never seen one i would recommend looking up fata morganas um it's f-a-t-a-m-o-r-g-a-n-a but they're really cool that's really interesting Mm -hmm. i feel like that would explain a lot especially more so than just i saw the moon on the horizon (laughs) and it looked a little like a ship doesn't it look a little like a ship like a lot if you squint, it looks like a sail, kinda. They look cool. All right, Barbara. Okay. I believe that. Damn it, Jeremy. You always say that. Damn it. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> so, this is... Which, I found this too, and I was glad that you had touched on it. Yeah, well, because I um, saw... It's... There was in, like, a list of, like, unexplained whatevers on, like, Listiverse or something. But yeah. then it also, like, it was in the news last week. Because they just found another one. Yeah. So that's the article I pulled from was, I think, one on HuffPost. Yeah, it's um, 
mysterious North Korean ghost ships full of skeletons have been washing up in Japan. So a fishing boat carrying the skeletal remains of eight individuals was found on the northwestern coast of Japan late last week, um, which was November 24th, 2017, and um, led to speculation that its crew may have originated from North Korea. The seven-meter-long wooden boat was first spotted drifting along Miyazawa Beach, and items on board the vessel had Korean script on them. This grim discovery is similar to others made this month. Partly skeletalized bodies of two men were found along the coast of Sado Island, located in the Sea of Japan. The men's nationalities were not immediately known, but the Coast Guard said that they were found with what appeared to be North Korean cigarettes and life jackets printed with Korean lettering. So, Satoru Miyamoto, a professor at Sega S-E-I-G-A-K-U-I-N University explained the number of North Korean ghost ships had risen since 2013. Their arrival appeared to be in conjunction with a military scheme to expand the North Korean fisheries industry. So apparently it's because after Kim Jong-un decided to expand the fisheries industry as a way of increasing revenue for the military... They're using old boats manned by the military by people who have no knowledge about fishing, Miyamoto said. Um, this will continue. More than a dozen ships containing bodies were found in 2015. Uh, contemporary reports also claimed the bodies could belong to desperate fishermen driven into treacherous waters by food shortages in North Korea. So that's a real sad story. Essentially, just throwing a bunch of people onto boats and being like, go fishing for us. And they're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to man a boat. What the hell? What? And he's like, do it anyways. I don't care. I just feel bad because, I mean, there have been so many of them and it doesn't seem like anyone like comes to claim them or are That's looking sad. for them. I mean, I don't know that for sure. It just seems like they found all these and they're always like, we don't know if they're North Korean or not, which leads me to believe that, it's not like the North Korean government is coming to be like, oh, yeah, these are ours. Because they probably they don't want to look bad and be like, no, we only send out people who are, you know, extremely talented and very good at sh uh, fishing. No one we send out would get lost and no one would go out desperately looking for food because we've got lots of food and everyone's happy here. Every everyone's happy here. Everyone's happy. It's not like anyone's trying to defect and being shot. No. That's not happening. Don't don't look. Don't though. look over there. Look over here. Look don't at me. Don't look over. Look at look at this hand, not this hand. <laughs> yeah. But still just got to be so spooky just having these just empty ships just kind of float up. I don't know if I would rather find a ship full of dead people or just an empty ship. An empty ship. I take that back. I want an em empty ship. Empty ship. <laughs> with a with lifeboats missing cuz it's like, okay, they got off. Everything's They're fine. They're somewhere. They're somewhere. This next one I especially liked. I, I called this Cannibal Rat Cruise. That's a beautiful title. <laughs> it's the name of my next album. Cannibal Rat Cruise. That's new band name. I claim uh, it. I was going to say, I could do like like my next chat book if I ever do like a small book of poetry. It's going to be called Cannibal Rat Cruise. Well, you can, you can have my single. What's your single? That I'm going to release it's called Ride the Cannibal Rat Cruise. Ooh, that's sexy. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard about the 1,400-ton ocean liner ghost ship that, according to headlines a few years ago, is full of cannibal raps and is heading... Raps? Rats. Cannibal rats. And is heading for England. 
neither of those things are true. And I thought it was funny because I literally had two articles that one was like, watch out for these cannibal rats. And then the next one was like, don't be an idiot. There's no, there's no boat with rats coming at us. It all started back in 1976 when a cruise ship called the, this is a Yugoslavia name, so I'm going to have trouble pronouncing it probably, uh, the Lyobov or Lova was built in Yugoslavia and was specially designed to sail Russians elite, or Russia's elite travelers around the coldest regions on earth. Eventually, though, the private owners of the ship racked up too much debt, and in 2010, Canadian authorities seized the vessel, um, which had been docked in St. John's, Newfoundland, 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 Newfoundland. Um, two years later, the Canadians sold it for scrap and began hauling it down to the Dominican Republic so it could be dismantled. However, on February 4th, 2012, it broke loose. How and why the ship was cut loose is still a mystery, and for months, no one knew where it was. I also couldn't... It was me. Oh, I God did it. damn it, Becca. Why? Why'd you do it? I wanted to just let those cannibal rats loose. I just... They needed to let their freak flag fly. Did you even know freak there was cannibal rats on it? Yeah, I raised <laughs> them and trained them to be cannibals. Are you the one? Did you spot, uh, talk to Pim de Rudes, a Belgian salvage hunter, who told Tabloid the Sun there will be lots of rats and they eat each other? If I get aboard, I'll have to lace everywhere with poison. De Rhodes. Yeah, I sold her the poison too. I uh, I hate to break it to you, but De Rhodes had no actual information about whether there are rats on the boats or whether they're diseased, cannibalistic, or perfectly civilized. So literally, they just walked up to some random woman who was on the docks at the time and were like, "Excuse me, ma'am, what's gonna happen?" And she's like, "There's gonna be rats. They're gonna eat each other. Shit <laughs> is gonna hit the fan." Literally, you guys. Just don't, we're going to have to poison them all, and then we're going to have an outbreak, and it's going to be like 28 days later, but rats. And humans, too. I want in on that. I'm good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They're a Belgian salvage hunter, so I guess that they have seen ships like this that have been adrift for a long time. And my guess is that they probably weren't looking to, like, start a giant thing, because... Everything I found that, like, the basically everyone was getting freaked out because even though the ship had been loose for a while, there was, like, this talk that, um, I think there was a storm or something coming through and they were like, it's going to push it straight towards England and then it's just going to crash into the coast and unleash rat feces hell on, on the people of England. But everything I found was, like, it hasn't actually been sighted off of English waters. The Irish Coast Guard was like, we're not worried. And neither is the UK Maritime and Coast Guard Agency. Like, everyone's freaking out over it just because it makes a great headline to be like, poop ahoy, watch out, these rats are eating themselves. <laughs> the SS poop. <sighs> SS rat poop. Mm -hmm. But... It just seemed like, you know, someone kind of offhandedly was like, man, can you imagine if there was like a rat on there and it just, you know, overpopulated, what would they eat? Probably each other, huh? All right, bye. And then dang old Pim just took it and ran with it. Pim. Oh, shit, Pim. You didn't Pim. think this over. But that's the story of well, Cannibal yeah. Rat Cruise. Everybody's fine so far. I haven't seen uh, much about it. Apparently there's like a website that like kind of tracks sightings of it and you can get paraphernalia. Get you, like, a nice shirt or a mug or something, if you want. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know what you're getting for Christmas. Oh, boy. <laughs>
just what you didn't ask for. Perfect. It'll go great with my garbage can. In your garbage can or like next to your garbage can? Inside of it. Ah, dang it, Becca. I picked that out specially for you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> no. Okay. So now we are moving on to real life ships that either disappeared or the crew disappeared or just mysterious kind of spoopy stuff. So first on the list is the Orang Medan. According to the story, at some point in or around June 1947 or as late as February 1948, uh, two American vessels navigating the Strait of Malacca, the city of Baltimore and Silver Star, um, those are the ships or vessels, among others, picked up distress messages from Dutch merchant ship Orang Medan. A radio operator aboard the troubled vessel sent the following Morse code message, SOS from Orang Medan. Beep, beep, beep. We float. All officers, including the captain, dead in chart room and on the bridge. Probably whole crew dead. A few confused dots and dashes later, two words came through clearly. They were, I die. Then nothing more. That's like some spooky, like, it stuff. We float. I know they're just talking about the ship, but still, it's a very unnerving, like, first word Mm -hmm. to a message. That's not something you open an email with. We float. No. Please come to our fire sale. We float. Yep, we float. (laughs) So, uh, when the Silver Star crew located and boarded the apparently undamaged Orang Medan in a rescue attempt, the ship was found littered with corpses, including the carcass of a dog, sprawled on their backs, their frozen faces upturned to the sun with mouths gaping open and eyes staring. The dead bodies resembled horrible caricatures, with no survivors and no visible signs of injuries on the dead bodies. A fire then broke out in the ship's number four cargo hold, forcing the boarding parties to evacuate the Dutch freighter, thus preventing any further investigation. Soon after, the Orang Medan was observed to explode and sink. Yeah, that one, like, from what I read, the body, like, they weren't just, like, unharmed or whatever, like, their faces, like, they looked like they were screaming and, like, looking at something. They said a couple of the dudes, like, had their arms outstretched, like they were fighting something off. Um, the dog that they found that was dead, like, was snarling at something, and it just looked like everyone had, like, died in the middle of some, like, horror kind of thing. Yeah, it- the whole idea of, like, just a bunch of twisted, like, horrified bodies on a ship that's just floating, and there's nothing wrong, like, physically with the ship. It's just- I don't know, that's- it's just really eerie Mm -hmm. and scary. And sad. It is sad. Um, one of the things I read said that they were, like, they had, like, hooked onto it to tow it back to land, and then it was after they had already gotten off when they started seeing smoke come up, and then it, like, exploded and sank, like, as they were oh towing it back. But I also was going to say, me. this does sound like a sad story, but when I was trying to look up any extra stuff about it, there's actually no proof that this particular ship ever existed. Really? Yeah, they were like, it might just be a story that people made to, like, to scare people. Because the Silver Star was a real ship, but there's no registry for a ship called the Orang Medan. Weird. So they were saying, and part of this, I was going to say, there was some of the stuff in the, the theories that might explain, like, why this ship might have never been listed if it does exist. But I just, I thought... 
I was I read yours and then I was like looking to see if I could find anything extra and then that part where they were just like there's no proof it's real I was just like but there's so much information for a ship that's not real mm-hmm. tell me about them theories yeah the theories the first one is the unsecured hazardous materials cargo theory um, Baton and others hypothesize that uh, the Orang Medan might have been involved in smuggling operations of chemical substances like potassium cyanide, nitroglycerin, or even like wartime stocks of ner- nerve agents. And according to those theories, seawater would have entered the ship's hold, reacting with the cargo to release toxic gases, which then caused the crew to succumb to asphyxia and or poisoning. Um, and then later the seawater would have reacted with the nitroglycerin, causing the reported fire and explosion. And then um, another theory under this is that the ship was transporting nerve gas, which the Japanese military had been storing in China during the war, and which was handed over to the U.S. military at the end of the war. No U.S. ship could transport it as it would leave a paper trail, so it was therefore loaded onto a non-registered ship for transport to the U.S. or an island in the Pacific. Yeah, so that's why I was like, okay, so it might have been made up, but, you know, as shady as people can be during shit like that, it kind of... I wouldn't be that surprised if they were like, no, no, this ship carrying dead, you know, dangerous chemicals, it was, it wasn't real. It wasn't there. We would have never done that. America <laughs> would never do that. America would never do something sneaky or underhanded. Yeah. I also saw one thing, and this is kind of, it's unsubstantiated, but it kind of just goes with the whole, like, conspiracy theory thing. There are some people that were saying that it wasn't just, um, like, nerve gas that, Japan had been storing in China, but it was actually, um, I guess, biological, like, warfare experiments and stuff like that that were created by, it was called Unit 731, which was, um, I guess, started by this Japanese bacteriologist named Shiro Ishii, and it was supposed to be one of those things, from what I read about it, and, you know, I don't know for sure if this is what they did, but it was, I guess, you know, they did a lot of bad experiments and we're trying to create like wartime biological weapons and stuff like that so they said that they like could have possibly used like human beings and stuff like that to do experiments and so they were saying that maybe they were on there and that's why they didn't want it to be registered and why they would have been just fine to let it explode to like cover up anything that happened so they couldn't get a hold of the research that makes sense. But again, I mean, that's unsubstantiated, but that's another explanation that people put out for what was on there. And like maybe the chemical agent or whatever it was could have escaped and it was more than just potassium cyanide poisoning. But I think that that one makes the most sense to me because it also explains the fire afterwards and why they wouldn't have said because tanking it out on rough seas would have been like a big no-no and they would have gotten in trouble. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a lot of shaking a bunch of really dangerous materials. Mm-hmm. It's not smart, but it, it was the 40s, so people didn't have good It was sense. the late 40s. We were almost in the 50s. Mm. We were getting there. They, I mean, children weren't considered people until, like, the 80s. So another theory is carbon monoxide poisoning. There's also the theory that an undetected smoldering fire or a malfunction in the ship's boiler system might have been responsible for the shipwreck. 
Uh, escaping carbon monoxide would have caused the deaths of all aboard, while the fire slowly getting out of control, leading to the vessel's ultimate destruction. And then um, there's also a little section about paranormal phenomena, which Taylor already kind of touched on a little. The stories appeared in various magazines and on books in Books on Fortiana, beginning with a 1953 article in Fate magazine. Authors such as Jessup speculate that the crew might have been attacked by UFOs. Ah, shit. Or, <laughs> or dementors. paranormal forces. Yes, perfect. <laughs> it's just dementors. Um, <laughs> paranormal forces prior to their deaths. Circumstantial... <sighs> Circumstantial evidence cited by these sources include the apparent absence of a natural cause of death, the reportedly terrified expressions of the faces of the deceased, and rumors that some of the dead were pointing towards an unknown enemy. It's just Cthulhu. <laughs> it's fine. I feel like their heads would have exploded if it was Cthulhu. Mm, I guess that's probably true. I don't know. It's just it's just an eerie story. And it's probably more likely that it was like hazardous materials or carbon monoxide but i feel like is that a common thing that happens to people who die from carbon monoxide i thought they just like went to sleep and didn't wake up yeah well that's why i think the the potassium cyanide would make more sense because it's really painful and that but i feel like with that i want to say like your mouth and stuff kind of foam up i could be wrong i don't know my poisons very well because i'm not a murderer but Mm. um i think with that one that you're it's it's painful, but I think you would see, like, some discoloration or possible, like, vomiting and stuff like that. So if they were like, they look untouched, they just look fucking scared and dead. But I think of the two that the potassium cyanide makes more sense. Just because, yeah, as far as I know, yeah. carbon monoxide poisoning is you just kind of, if you're conscious when it happens, you kind of start to get a headache and you do kind of get disoriented and and tired and you just pass out eventually because you're like slowly suffocating that's what i figured and i was like that doesn't seem like twisted faces of horror you know what Mm -hmm. i mean but anyways that's the uh orang medan r.i.p r.i.p tell me about the mary celeste oh lord this is a big one all right i'm gonna tell you all about the mary celeste um it's an america or it was isn't anymore. An American merchant brigantine discovered adrift and deserted in the Atlantic Ocean off the Azores Islands. Azores Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, on December fifth, eighteen seventy-two, uh, the Canadian brigantine De Gratia, De Gratia found her in a disheveled but seaworthy condition under partial sail and with her lifeboat missing. Uh, the last entry in her log was dated just ten days earlier. The sh- she keeps saying she the ship. It's just a ship. Mm-hmm. It ain't a lady. Um, she had le- she, ugh, I did it again. The ship, the Mary Celeste, had left New York City for Genoa on November 7th and on discovery was still amply provisioned. Uh, the cargo of denatured alcohol was intact and the captain and crew's personal belongings were undisturbed. None of those who had been on board were ever seen or heard from again. Sucks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. On October 20th, 1872, Benjamin Briggs, it's a good name, arrived at Pier 50 on the East River in New York City to supervise the loading of the ship's cargo for Genoa. Um, a very dangerous, whoops-a-doodle, uh, 1,701 barrels of poisonous denatured alcohol, just what you want to have with you on a ship. Uh, Perfect. A week later, Briggs was joined by his wife and baby daughter. Aw, great. I'm so excited. Sarah, yep. sorry, Sarah and Sophia. Um, 
On Sunday, November 3rd, Briggs wrote to his mother, telling her that he intended to leave on Tuesday, adding that our vessel is in beautiful trim and I hope we shall have a fine passage. <laughs> Knock on wood. Don't do not do that. Just be like, I, it's probably, it'll be fine, I'm sure. I don't know. It's whatever. I don't care. And then we're going to die. Just send that off. Um the Tuesday morning of November 5th, the Mary Celeste left Pier 50 and moved into New York Harbor. The weather was uncertain, and Briggs decided to wait for better conditions. He anchored the ship just off of Staten Island, where his wife Sarah used the delay to send a final letter to her mother-in-law, in which she wrote, Tell Arthur I make great dependence on the letters I shall get from him. Who's Arthur? Who are these, Probably who are these people? Um, and will try to remember anything that happens on the voyage, which he would be pleased to hear. Um, and then on November 7th, when the weather finally eased, the Mary Celeste left harbor and went out into the Atlantic. Uh, meanwhile, another brigantine, the Canadian Dei Gratia, followed the same general route on November 15th, departing from Hoboken. Ugh, I hate when I mess up words that are actually from America Town because I feel like I should know them, but I don't even know that. Yeah, this is the ship that found the, uh... The Mary Celeste. Found the Mary mm -hmm. Celeste, It wasn't yeah. too far behind them. Um, it departed from Hoboken, New Jersey, just eight days later, or after Mary Celeste. Her captain, the boat's captain, De Gratia's captain, was David Morehouse, an experienced Nova Scotian seaman. Uh, as captains with common interests, it is likely that Morehouse and Briggs knew each other, if only casual. Some accounts assert that they were close friends who, on the evening before the Mary Celeste's partner, dined together... But the evidence for this is limited by, or to a recollection by Morehouse's widow 50 years after the event. So it's probably fake. Makes for a good story. Probably <laughs> It fake. does. It's like, I just want to beef it up a little bit. It's all I've got. Yep. All right. Uh, the De Gratia had reached midway between the Azores and the coast of Portugal at about 1 p.m. on Wednesday, December 4th, 1872, land time. As Captain Morehouse came on deck, the helmsman reported a vessel about six miles distance heading unsteadily towards De Gratia. Uh, the ship's erratic movements and odd set of her sails led Morehouse to suspect that something was wrong. As the vessels drew close, he could see nobody on deck and he received no replies to his signal. So he sent Duvaux and second mate John Wright in a ship's boat to investigate. Um, from the name on her stern, the pair established that this was the Mary, yeah, the Mary Celeste. They then climbed aboard, where they found the ship deserted. The sails, partly set, were in poor condition, some missing altogether, and much of the rigging was damaged, with ropes hanging loosely over the sides. The main hatch cover was secure, but the fore and lazarette hatches were open, their covers beside them on the deck. The ship's single lifeboat, a small yawl that had apparently been stowed across the main hatch, was missing, while the binnacle housing the ship's compass had shifted from its place, its glass cover broken. Uh, there's about three and a half feet of water in the hold, a significant but not alarming amount for a ship this size, a makeshift sounding rod, which is a device used for measuring the amount of water in a hold, was found abandoned on the deck. Um, the last entry on the ship's daily log found in the mate's cabin was dated at 8 a.m. on November 25th, uh, which was nine days earlier. It recorded Mary Celeste's position um, then as a bunch of numbers somewhere off <laughs> uh, Santa Maria Island in the Azores, nearly 400 nautical miles, which is about 740 kilometers uh, from the point where the De Gratia encountered 
the Mary Celeste. Uh, DeVoe saw that the cabin interiors were wet and untidy from water that had entered through doorways and skylights, but were otherwise in reasonable order. Um, in Briggs' cabin, DeVoe found personal items scattered about, including a sheathed sword, a sheathed sword under the bed, but most of the ship's papers were missing, um, together with the captain's navigational instruments. Galley equipment was neatly stowed away. Uh, there was no food prepared or under preparation, but there were ample provisions in the stores. Or there was like six months worth of food or something on it. There was no obvious signs of fire or violence, and the evidence indicated an orderly departure from the ship by means of the missing lifeboat. So um, after that, I found like before they set sail on it, I guess the Mary Celeste um, had had some issues in its past. Uh, it was originally Christian, christened the Amazon. It was given a new name after a series of mishaps, including the sudden illness and death of its first captain and a collision with another ship in the English Channel. Um, and an intubate... Ugh, I can't talk anymore. I'm, I'm done. I can't do it. You're almost done. <laughs> an investigation into whether to grant payment by its insurers to the De Gratia's crew for salvaging the ghost ship found no evidence of foul play. Um, so I guess when they found it, you know, they had to prove that they're like, no, we found it and just everyone was gone. We didn't toss them overboard. <laughs> There's this part where um, Morehouse, Morehouse mm -hmm. um, was talking about, Morehouse or maybe DeVoe was talking about how they were going to make a lot of money off of it. They were like, this ship, you know, is going to bring in a lot of money for us for salvaging it. And so it's understandable that you could take from that. Like, maybe they caused this. Well, especially if they were such good friends, you know, mm -hmm. having dinner together and all. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, let's see. The Mary Celeste would sail under different owners for 12 years before its last captain deliberately ran, deliberately ran it aground in Haiti as part of an attempted insurance fraud. Um, in 2001, best-selling novelist and adventurer Clive Cussler claimed to have found the wreckage of the Mary Celeste, but later analysis of the timbers retrieved from the ship he found showed the wood was still living at least a decade after the Mary Celeste sank. So he's a liar. Liar, liar. Mm-hmm. Yep. But... Sorry that was so long, but I was just like, well, all of the information is kind of like, it's interesting to hear all the weird stuff that's like... Nothing's touched. Everything's fine. But then also everyone apparently just got up and orderly left the ship. And so it's sort of weird. Yeah. I mean, did they have any any idea why they left? Have there been like any theories about it? There could be. Theories over the year have ranged from mutiny and pirate attack to assault by giant octopus or sea monster. While more scientifically minded proposed an explosion caused by fumes from the 1700 barrels of crude oil or alcohol in the ship's hold. Because, yeah, they kept talking about that dangerous alcohol, and then it never came up again. <laughs> there wasn't an explosion, though. That's the thing. So. How did the water get into the hold? I don't know. Hmm. They said that that was normal, like, for water that deep to get in. Oh, I took it as, like, it was, like, enough, like, you wouldn't want it in the hold, but if it got in, the ship wouldn't sink kind of yeah, thing. I just took it as, like... This happens sometimes. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But maybe you're right. I don't know enough about ships. Well, that but... makes two of us. I don't know very much about ships. I read some of those things and I pretended like I did. I don't know what a... What was it called? A, a viverette? A binnacle. What the hell's a binnacle? Is it like a barnacle? I, I bet it's not. Probably not. Is it like... A pinnacle? Mm, the pinnacle of a bin? A binnacle. It's a really fancy a trash can. Yes. 
Perfect. We solved the mystery. Oh, good for us. So my final story is very brief. Ah. And that should wrap it up. It's um, Manfred Fritz Bolgerat. Uh, a battered yacht found by local Filipino fishermen had nobody piloting it, but its single crew wasn't missing. In fact, the body of German sol- sailor Manfred Fritz Bajorat was found within, or Bajorat, I, I don't know, uh, slumped on his desk, reaching for the radio after a heart attack took his life. Even stranger, his entire body had appeared to be mummified. Um, he went missing from 2009 to 2016, so people believed he'd been dead for several years, which would easily explain why he went missing, and the actual mummification was predicted to be due to the dry, salty air and would have taken a few weeks to start. But then, the autopsy came in with shocking news. Apparently, he had died from his heart attack just a week previously. The reasons Manford went dark for so long and how his body mummified so quickly is a mystery. I I mean, could it be, like, if he had been out that long, could it have, like, messed up his time of death? Like, maybe they're wrong. I, I just, it made so much sense. <laughs> Until they were like, nope, this man's been dead for one week. Mm, I don't know, it's creepy, though. Mm. Maybe he slipped into a coma? I don't know, but I feel like... But I feel like he would have died of way before he became a mummy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make any sense because he would have been dehydrated and starving. I guess that could cause you to have a heart attack. Maybe he was already half mummy. Half <laughs> mummy, had a heart attack, full oh, mummy. What what an equation. It's sad either way. Like a lot of a lot of these stories are sad because it's I mean it's people dying, but Well that's our podcast. Yeah, I mean there's no way around that. But ugh, that one's that one's spooky. I've never been on a cruise. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I ever will. I have. Have you ever been on an abandoned cruise? Are you a ghost? No. Yeah. Ah, dang it. I was scared to go on a cruise after my um, aunt and uncle were on that, that one where they got, like, stranded in the Gulf of Mexico for, what, like, a week and a half? Mm-hmm. And they had to shit in bags and- Wasn't there, like, poop just, like, flowing around, like, the bottom decks? Yep. Mm-hmm. It smelled horrible, like, people couldn't shower. Wasn't the boat also, like, tilting to one side? Like, did they hit something and that's why it was stuck? Like, an engine went out or something? I think an engine went out, and so, like, the boat was tilted, and so, like, all of the poopy water would rush to one side, and it was just really gross from what I was told. And so I know when I went on the Alaskan cruise, I was really nervous that something might happen like that, but Mm. um, it was fine. I wouldn't suggest a carnival cruise just because uh, they use really old boats and apparently they just cleaned that boat up that had had poop water all in it and they were like, okay, send it back out. And I was like, I, it seems like maybe something's really wrong with it. Maybe we should lay it to pasture. Do you know no, what I mean? it's fine. It's just a little, <laughs> it's fine. I should have looked up like how many boats are estimated to just be like floating around the ocean like you know like decommissioned i hate that idea whatever like i mean most of them are probably just regular empty and not haunted but i mean there's got to be a handful that have like something weird growing on them like if it's not ghosts they have like some kind of like terrible like virus or zombie people fungus or something like growing on it and it's gonna hit land and 
it's going to be the last of us all over again. Well, not all over again for a first time. Oh my god. I wonder if there are actually like abandoned cruise ships. Oh my god, there are. Oh yeah. Um no, I hate oh, that. Oh no, okay. yeah, tell me about it. The MS Lord Selkirk the Second in Manitoba, Canada. Ooh. That's fancy as yeah. shit. Only days before Christmas of 2015, the Winnipeg Sun reported that the dismantling of the regally named MS Lord Selkirk II was complete. The once equally regal vessel had gone from holding the prestigious honor of being the largest cruise ship ever built between the Great Lakes and the Rocky Mountains to being called an eyesore and a hazard to public health and oh, safety. Lord. Uh, well, it's been fly- or it's been you know floating since June of 1969. It was a getaway on water, carrying passengers up and down the Red River on overnight holidays. By 1990, the aging cruise ship was deemed no longer financially viable and was struck off charge. Before a fire tore through the remains of the abandoned cruise ship, she would just rust away in her namesake namesake city of Selkirk. So, the fire proved to be the catalyst for her dismantling, a process that cost $400,000 by the time she was removed from the waters she once cruised. And there's just pictures of her, like, sitting in water, rusty and disgusting looking. Mm. Sad. I hope that that's how people describe me when I'm old. What was it? Disgusting and <laughs> no, sad. An eyesore and a danger to public health. Oh, a hazard to hazard. public health and safety. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. And then the SS Independence. Ooh. It's alien. They fight aliens it's- on it. It's in it's an abandoned ocean liner in Alang, uh, India. They have pictures of the inside of it. Um, it was launched in February of 51, 1951, sorry. Uh, it was once the luxury ocean liner of choice for great Hollywood stars of the day. Actors, directors, and even presidents all walked the deck of this once opulent vessel, but the future of the ship was very, very dim indeed. It was transferred and renamed to Monrovia by the end of the 1970s. 80s saw the ship return to the flag it had been built under, but by 96, operating costs had proved too high to keep the liner afloat, and it was retired to a dock in San Francisco. Apparently, in 2009, the once elegant ship was the subject of considerable upheaval when the Indian government forbid its entry into Alang, India for scrapping because it was still loaded with all forms of toxic substances that no one wanted along their coastlines. After debates about forged documents and falsified paperwork the abandoned ocean liner was finally beached off of a lang and broken up so it's weird because it's just these huge things that they like they beach or they just leave in places and it's so creepy it takes a really long time for them to like break down it'd be one thing like if it becomes like i know like a lot of times when boats and stuff like that sink they'd be kind of kind of become like these makeshift reefs for sea life and stuff like that which is kind of a cool way for them to like return to nature but like you were saying some of these are full of junk and it's like once they start breaking down and releasing into the ocean it's a huge hazard yeah it's if y'all want to look at the other ones it's urbanghostsmedia.com slash 2016 slash 01 slash abandoned dash fairies dash ocean liner we oh my can send you the link it's fine i didn't realize how long it was i'm sure if you but, just like um, search is it on like youtube you, or something google, or google no it's just a list if you just google abandoned fairies and cruise ships you'll find it mm. but they're creepy pictures yeah good make them your background on your computer 
people stop by your desk and, and ask about them. Like, that's my boat. Oh, that's my boat. I live on I it. need a raise. My boat's sick. My boat's sick. <laughs> it's got it's a It's got cough. a boo-boo. Got problems. But there are lots of ghost ships, but that's all we have. So mm-hmm. that's all we have for this week. Um, do you have anything you want to suggest? Anything scary you've been watching or playing or doing? Uh, scary stuff I've been watching or doing? Not really. After Halloween, when we enter into the Christmas time, I get less, like, psyched about scary stuff. But it starts right back up. No, it's all year. All year, baby. <laughs> Maybe for, for a, a, a baby goth like <laughs> you, but for the rest of us, we have to have some normalcy. I love Christmas as much as the next guy. I just also still need to ingest a lot of true crime and scary movies and play scary games. It's just a, a good healthy quota. I mean, okay, so I got really freaked out listening to some episode of my favorite murder about um it was an I survived and it I feel was like about- they should give us a shout out because they've gotten a mention on like a, literally every single episode for like the past six episodes. I'm sorry. It's just because I've been listening to basically just them. Because, I don't know, I tried listening to the last podcast on the left, and I don't like them. I don't either. Sorry. I couldn't. Sorry. I, I, well, I tried one episode, so maybe that was just a bad one. But sometimes, I don't know, when it comes to true crime stuff, I have a hard time listening to casts that are entirely dudes. Just because, I don't know, it's one thing to hear, like, two women kind of, like, crack jokes and stuff about it because i know on the inside they're also very afraid and they're like we're laughing because uh if anyone's gonna get murdered it's most likely to be us and so sometimes i feel like a bunch of dudes might just laughing through the pain <laughs> also some of their jokes were just like not off color i don't know georgia and- yeah georgia and karen are always very like you can tell they they still have a lot of like empathy for the victim and just in general, are very empathetic despite having, like, funny jokes and stuff, whereas last podcast on the left, like, one, their voices drove me nuts. They all sound the same, and they all sound like a douchebag. <laughs> and two... We're not gonna get a shout-out um, from last podcast on the That's left. fine. I don't want a shout-out from them. <laughs> and, um, they they just... I don't know. The, the way they would make jokes, I was just sort of like, this seems not nice. Like, I mean, I get that you're just trying to make light of it to get through it but it it doesn't feel it feels almost disrespectful in a way that's just not cool yeah no i i completely agree it it rubbed me the wrong way when i tried to listen to it so what were you listening to that scared you um it was an i survived they basically retold the i survived story of this woman god i don't remember her name jennifer morell yeah jennifer morell she i'm guessing you've listened to it as well but basically she woke up and this guy was on top of her and it turned out it was her security guard for her apartment building and it was just like it was terrifying like it freaked me out mostly just because of like the fact that she's losing blood she's locked in her her like bathroom i don't know just listen to that episode i can't remember which one it was it was like 36 yeah because you you uh, recommended it on a couple episodes did i <laughs> Shit, I can't remember anything. I was going to say, that's why I was like, why does this sound familiar? Why do I know her name? 
Okay, well, it really freaked me out. It has stayed with me for the last two I weeks. I thought you were going to talk about the one that was, like, about the husband and wife where you were asking Ryan to please not kill you again. Oh, uh, yeah, that too. I I asked him not to kill me. But I talked about that too last time, didn't I? Uh, I think I, I talked about how I've asked Mark to promise he won't kill me. And you were like, I think I've probably asked uh, Ryan that once or twice. Sort of as a joke, but sort yeah. of for serious too. Yeah, I I can't remember shit. I, like... I can't remember anything. I'm That's sorry. That's okay. So I'm here. I'm glad you can remember it because I sure as fuck can't. Anyways, what what have you been listening to slash watching slash remembering that you watched and recommended or didn't recommend? Um, I've had a big urge to rewatch the TV show Hannibal lately because mm-hmm. yeah, it's just really good, and I'm really sad that it got kind of cut off before it was ready. But even though they got canceled a little prematurely, I thought they did a really good job of wrapping it up. It was like, it was done by Brian Fuller. Um, It's got Mads Mikkelsen, which, you know, a lot of people are into him. So if you're also into him, I can't remember his name who plays Will. Hugh Hugh Dancy. Hugh Dancy plays him. Yeah, Hugh Dancy. Um, But it's just, it's very good. It's really beautiful. Like, I mean, there's a lot of like blood and kind of gory but like in a very beautiful way like it's just i don't know it's really good it's kind of like up its own butt sometimes it's like the the way they talk is nothing like real humans talk it's very flowery and like lyrical and stuff like that but i love that kind of shit so i'm i'm totally here for it but if you haven't ever seen it or you didn't get into it when it was when it was on it's you know it's about hannibal and and all that stuff so um if that's if that's your thing and you like uh, beautiful gory stuff and people who love to sniff their own farts, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. <laughs> but it's beautiful. But that's uh, that's about it. I'm doing a pretty big uh, haircut and dye tomorrow, so that's kind of scary, but not in a paranormal way. Just in a, I hope it turns out good. And it doesn't make me look stupid way. I'm sure you'll look beautiful. <sighs> I just want to be a little swamp baby. <laughs> but that's all I got. Um, if you like this podcast, you can follow us for updates and like schedule stuff on Twitter. We're at Ghost Emoji Show. Um, we're also on Podbean, we're on iTunes, and now we're on Google Play. Hooray! Finally! So if you, if you listens, listens, if you listens to podcasts on Google Play. (laughs) If you listen to podcasts on ya old timing machines. I'm sure that that people who use Google Play are perfectly uh, hip. Yep. Are you listening to it on a Zoom? <laughs> no, I did have a Zoom though. I know you did. <laughs> what what a what a fun time that was. Mm-hmm. RIP Zoom. Yep. But we're on there. Um, I don't know if Google Play does reviews, but if they do, I guess leave us one on there if you like. And of course, leave us a nice review on iTunes if if you like it. If you don't, you know, be be merciful and don't leave us a, a one review just because you you hate us. Stop hate listening. It's it's bad for you. Just let it go. Go outside. Breathe some air. Don't listen to podcasts you don't Life's like. Life's too short. That's why I stopped listening to last podcast on the left. But did I leave them a negative review? No, because it's just not for me, and that's okay. Uh, you're bigger. You're a bigger lady. Got a big heart. I I don't like them, but. God damn, they earned whatever stars they think they earned. So 
have at it. Anyway, until next week, I guess, stay spooky. Oh, I thought maybe you would say it with me. I can. No, it's okay. One, I want you to want two. to say it with me. Well, then that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I'll just take my lonely stay spooky and just shove it up my own ass. <laughs> that's a good plan. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>